Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. Okay, so we are recording we are recording this episode out of order today for <clears throat> um, logistical reasons, but we are bringing up something that comes up organically in our conversation. Uh, later, later, in, later, later on, uh, later on, on you're chat. making but, it. But first, yeah, first and foremost, uh, the Williams Institute of the University of California, Los Angeles, has released a report on the adult LGBTQ plus population of the United States, revealing some unexpected information about the queer hubs of modern America. Also, side note, I went to a Christmas party before we started recording, and I've been drinking throughout the course of our recording. So now I am fairly drunk. So I just want to say, in case I slur a few too many words, that is why. Now, that said, this is actually a really interesting report from the Williams Institute because they break down what percentage of each state is comprised of gay residents. And uh, perhaps this won't be a surprise to you. Perhaps it will. But some of the biggest states like California and New York uh, might have the most gay people just given their sheer size, but the percentage of gay residents is actually quite low. So for instance, California, only 5.1% of our residents are gay, but there are states that are much, much higher than that. So I thought it would be kind of fun to run through the, maybe the top five and the bottom five. What do you guys think? Wait, hold okay. on. Hold on. California mm-hmm. has the most gay, has the most gay residents mm-hmm, right. due to its, obviously its big size, but the percentage of gay resident in total is only 5%. Yeah. So so right. California is 40 million people. So 5% of 40 million people is going to be lots of folks, millions of folks. Uh-huh. But it's still only 5.1% of the population is right. gay, which wow. puts us fairly in the middle of the pack. Uh-huh. Um, now, so we'll, I'll, I'll run through this fairly quickly because um, I don't want to get too in the weeds on the, on the numbers here. But the gays will actually help. Let's do it this way. Let's talk about the gayest state percentage-wise in the entire country. What do, what do even though you guys probably already know the answer? What do you think? What 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 do you think that state might be, Alan? Oh God! Oh God! I don't know. It's tough. I was th- I was get when I started reading this article, I was like, I was guessing like Rhode Island would be would be fairly high. No, it turns it's out the be gayest West Coast. state. It's got to be West Coast. Mm, good guess. The gayest state with 7.8% of the population is gay is Oregon. Oh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, followed by Delaware at 7.5%. Vermont, New Hampshire, and Washington. Delaware is a curveball. First of all, I've never met a soul who lives in Delaware. I've spent some time in Delaware. Have you ever met anyone who lived in Delaware? I've spent some time in Delaware (laughs) because one of my best friends went to college there, and I remember we would go down to visit her in college, and it... It's a weird state. I mean, it's very well. People from like DC go there to go to like Rehoboth yes, Beach. It's a it's a vacation area for a lot of DC, um, which right. also feels and Rehoboth is like super. Gay. I mean, I remember when I was doing the Robert Juan podcast for Audible. Um, oh and yeah, they would talk about they would talk about Rehoboth a lot. It would be a big part of it. Yeah. yeah. Elliot, you were going to spend your fiftieth birthday party in Rehoboth Beach this year, right? <laughs> this year yeah yeah that was on the list for this year my no, 50th you, but you did want to spend your birthday in Rehoboth but it ended up falling through correct no no I wanted to spend my 40th birthday um, <laughs> on Assateague Island which is off the coast of Maryland and it's oh. where there are native ponies that run on the beach oh that's it <laughs> Elliot Elliot is a little fun insight into Elliot he's purely about whimsy at this point anything that is whimsical so whether it's a hot air balloon festival or ponies running on a beach, like Elliot will fly across the world to see, I don't know, polar bears <laughs> drinking a Coca-Cola or something, like whatever whatever it is that he's into. Um, so, all right, I'll just go through the – so I just did the top five. So it's Oregon, Delaware, Vermont, New Hampshire, Washington. I, I, will, I will say that – that that I sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but, I, but before you go on to the lowest, I am surprised that – I would have taken a wild guess and thought that Ohio would have had more 
LGBTQ people as a percentage because I feel like Columbus and for some reason, I feel like we've the talked about this towns. before, the idea that Columbus and Cincinnati both have or are thought of as like, you know, queer friendly places yeah. that are growing bigger and bigger. Wait, let me throw out real quick. So Ohio is number 10 on the list with 6.2%. So Ohio is actually 10th. Um and and so I mean I think that actually fares fairly well. That's that's mm-hmm. pretty good. And um uh and Columbus is I mean I've 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 read online that it is like the San Francisco between the coasts. Um but I still don't know if I've Columbus. met anyone who who lived in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. Um any, like, I mean I always see like like especially as sort of gay rights has moved in the direction it's gone and advanced so far, that a lot of times like for example, Illinois, Chicago massive gay population very gay friendly very pro-gay but because we've grown in acceptance i feel like a lot of those gays especially the boomer gays have moved out of the cities into the suburbs into the surrounding states and that's why i think states like ohio would have a higher population because it's like you know it's it's less weird for a gay couple to move into a suburb in the cincinnati somewhere or whatever you know what i mean for sure, for sure. I also, I just want to throw out the other curveball from the top 10 list was that tied for ninth was at 6.3% of the population being gay was Tennessee, which was I mean, definitely a, cons- a curveball because Tennessee is extraordinarily conservative. But Nashville is so popular now. Yeah. And I know it's like the most popular city for bachelorette parties, which I still don't right, fully right. understand. Yeah. Right, and I've it's also that. country music, which mm-hmm. is... Right. I mean, it's ba- taking baby steps toward both uh, t- towards like inclusivity in terms of, you know, pe- people of color and, and I guess gay people. Mm. But Tennessee, I'm still that, I, that is baffling to me. That one was a surprise. Yeah. Um, so let's do the lowest, the lowest. And there's not again, there's not a ton of curveballs in this on this list. But the, the lead. So this is the smallest percentage of gay people pers- uh, in the state. Um. So let's see. So number 45 tied for 45th is South Carolina and North Dakota, followed by Iowa with at 4.7% of the population is gay, followed by Alabama, North Carolina, and then the least gay states in the entire country are tied for first, Mississippi and West Virginia at 4.1%. I am actually I'm actually surprised that Montana didn't make it into one of these because it's such a vast state with so few people mm. that I would think that, geez, like with a already pretty small population, I would think that there were the least, you know, very few, few queer people there. I will say that I'm, oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I hear you. I think the biggest curve, the biggest surprise for me was North Carolina being at me too. All, second to last Stunned. least gay population. Especially because of the North Carolina is full of yeah. big cities progressive cities durham. like a bunch of them durham raleigh charlotte chapel Greensboro, hill. chapel hill like there's all these cities and i also i mean of course north carolina is southern but i still don't consider it a conventional southern no. state like yeah you would perhaps mississippi so that one was definitely the but it doesn't surprise me that like most of the majority of the <clears throat> states on the lower end are from the south and i feel like a lot of it has to do with right. people who are still in the closet and not I feel like these states. Oh, I, you. I feel like these states probably have just. We know they do have just as many queer people in them as really probably any other state. It's just that they aren't self-identifying <sighs> in that way. Even if even if they are having same-sex sex, they're not necessarily identifying as the queer that we would identify that sex to be with. You know what I mean? Sure. I do want to know who just sneezed in the background of our podcast. Who sneezed? Oh, that was, that, was, that was Moses and he coughed. My dog coughed. <laughs> Your dog just coughed. Um, no, I, 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 I hear that uh, completely, Alan, and I think that's a, a, a very fair point. Uh, that said, you I think, think I made I a fair point. You, of all no, people. I, I literally, no, I forgot what I was going to say, which is why I was filibustering for a second, but I remembered just now. Um, I do want to point out there isn't that – massive of a difference between most of these no. states. So Oregon is 7.8% of, of Oregon is gay. And uh, that's the most gay state. And the least gay state is Mississippi and West Virginia at do, 4.1%. So like there's go, gay folks anywhere you go. Do you think that Vermont is so high up there, Vermont, New Hampshire, because there's just so many gay women in Vermont? I, I don't know about I that. Don't know. I don't know if that's... I do, 
I mean, there's, there's certainly a stereotype. I have a stereotype of Vermont as being like where people retire. And I would mm. guess, I would guess Vermont is like, I don't know, like aside from Florida, like where like gay couples go to retire. Like, I mean, I, that's Vermont? based in, that's based in no fact. I just, yeah, I mean, but you're also, I, I mean, but it is Vermont. because like, if you think about it, like if they're boomers or they're older, like finances potentially could be an issue. So you move to a state that can be affordable to buy a home, but that also is cheap as fuck. Vermont's very cheap. And it's all, and you're Mm. also able to like live safely and comfortably in a community that is not going to judge you so much. And so they move to a state Mm -hmm. like Vermont where it would Mm -hmm. be relatively easy to be able, even Maine in some ways, it would be relatively easy to be able to live pretty openly, you know? Yeah. Mm. It's, I mean, this isn't a huge surprise. Most of the top 10, uh, is comprised of, you know, significantly blue states, with exception to Ohio and Tennessee, yeah. um, and most of the bottom is uh, comprised of fairly red states. Iowa is technically a swing state, but it's not really anymore. Not really. Um, yeah, not really. Not at this point. Yeah. I think Although- I'll, I will die happy if i never go to alabama really oh no alabama i just feel so scared it seems so scary it's not scary the people there are great alabama has a bunch of cool cities it does and the Uh, food is amazing and the people like the the real people are very very nice you only see the the crazies on tv but like i've seen the episode of we're here where they go to birmingham and that one i was like oh okay i'm not okay yeah, but and, and and Alan makes a good point, and that's why I would like to announce that Sadie Pines, Alan's drag persona, is doing a tour of Alabama <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, this yep. Christmas, from Christmas to the thirty first of December. I will be performing will be exclusively, no, exclusively, exclusively at Five Guy Alabama. Burger Joints. Only at Five Guy <laughs> Burger Joints. The joke is, I need five guys to pick me up. Yes. <laughs> Not even joking. So I figured with the Survivor finale last night, as of this recording, we're recording this days beforehand, so we don't know who won, so don't ask us. But um, because of the Survivor finale and because my guest, our guest today, is also going to be joining me on my Newsweek podcast, Parting Shot, he's going to be doing a twofer this week. I figured let's just have a full-on Survivor day with Carson Garrett. Hello, Carson. Hello. This is so much fun. Yeah, I love Survivor days. I like how Survivor can come up in any conversation. It's still the thing that I, I I typically don't know how to approach like I've talked about it so much with like people in my life that I meet or that have so the other yeah. day I walked into someone at the coffee shop and he goes hey I think I know you from a tv show and I'm like cool yeah I was yeah a survivor and he's like yeah that's awesome and I'm like it, it was fun. I mean, I really don't. I just, I don't know <laughs> yeah, what, what do you they do? want to know. Well, like, you know, I, I will say the difference, the difference between the two chats, the chat that we're having on the Newsweek Parting Shot podcast is going to be the safe for work chat. And the chat we're having on this oh, podcast is going to be the not safe for work podcast. So yeah. I, I, I like the which, differences. Which means Elliot will be mooning the camera for all of the <laughs> Patreon listeners. But for everyone else, Carson's really just kind of letting it fly. Yeah, <laughs> just letting it fly yeah. today. Well, so I want to start off. Off before we go anything so Carson was on Survivor 44 last season yep. and just because I know Elliot and Brent didn't you guys didn't watch right no but I know the theme song and I'm trying to remember if it's like culturally offensive at this point well, <laughs> I, so? still, I still have I haven't imbibed oh, 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 oh. No, so they stopped doing the theme song well they stopped doing the intro mm. credits for a long oh. time and so season 45 the mm. the current one we're on they've introduced them because they're now doing 90 minute episodes given the the writer strike so we didn't re- i mean they would play like remnants of it but there was never a it, there hasn't been a oh da, 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 you know in a long time <laughs> um but we're now okay, now good. you can apply it but my season i think we're exempt <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're exempt. So El- you're definitely- Elliot can finally watch. Well, Alan, do you mind me asking the first question? Because I know, well, do you, I know you have. I, yeah. Before you, we get to that, I just want to say we're not going to go because for anyone listening who hasn't watched Survivor, we're not going to go deep into Survivor stuff here. Yeah, we're really just going to talk about Garrett, what he's working on, and the different things that Garrett's doing and related to Survivor. So go ahead, Brent. <laughs> well, I, well, I, well, I was going to ask, like, like, were you always a, a survival fan? Like, were you always like a huge? Like, how did you find yourself suddenly on the show? Well, I didn't grow up watching Survivor. I grew up watching PBS, which was the only cable network that was yes. interesting that I could watch. Like all my friends had 
Frontline, baby. I know. All my, <laughs> all my friends had Disney Channel or Nickelodeon um, growing up, and I didn't. And I was – so what we would do is my mom would go get DVDs and record the episodes of, like – of Mickey Mouse and um, all of my favorite sh- and all my favorite shows, the Little Rascals, all the shows I didn't get to watch, but it were like when I would go to my friend's house, it'd be like <gasps> so amazing. It's like that one thing that you don't have, and um, and so then and that was kind of my growing up watching experience. And we finally got like normal networks in about sixth grade yep. for me, and so I just wow. kind of didn't grow up really loving TV. Um, I mean. PBS is like whatever but it it gets it's not like Disney you know where they're like really making a lot of money off of this and they're good at entertainment and so I just never really watched a lot of TV and so we were at Disney World I love how this is all surrounding Disney we were at Disney World (laughs) and in eighth in my eighth grade year and my cousins were telling me they were like we're watching this new show called Survivor it's a reality show and immediately I'm like I don't watch the Kardashians I don't watch, you know, I'm like, I, I don't yeah, do t- right. reality TV. And I just kind of put up a front and was stubborn. And so the deal was I would watch an episode of Survivor if they would watch. I can't even remember what we were watching together. And so I watched one episode of season 33, had never seen an episode before. And I was so enthralled. I couldn't stop watching. <laughs> and I was like, well, we could watch the, the first episode. And then I was like, maybe you can watch the third one too. And so slowly I became more and more obsessed, but I certainly wasn't the person that just started watching and then went and binged every season from season one through, you know, 33. Yeah. So, so are are you suggesting that Survivor is more bingeable than Nova on PBS? I mean, is that what you're <laughs> implying? Okay, this, I'm going to, I'm going to sound stupid, but I don't know what Nova is. <laughs> No. Well, as as a PBS kid, I feel like you're missing one of three shows Grant, that they make. Grant, I think you're thinking of adult PBS and not child yeah, okay, PBS because there's, oh, there's, sure. there's, there's a there's a large there's a, there's PBS child, child moment, right? PBS. I mean, yes. we watched yeah, yeah, we yeah. watched uh, Curious George was like our household go to. Yes, um, yes, and Caillou, exactly. got it, the crime one. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. well, Carson. So, like, one thing I do want to ask. So, like that le- that sort of goes off that question. The the thing that sort of was your thing on your season of Survivor is that A, your age, but also because you are like a rocket scientist student, NASA, like the whole thing. And that was sort of, and the big thing was that you had, you were kind of like a little savant genius person before going into Survivor and you had 3D printed puzzles from Survivor to practice before <laughs> going on to Survivor, which then during your season made you this like puzzle king master kind of person know, so during weird. your season. Yeah. Isn't it? Well, it's not so weird because now you have a whole business about it. That's what I want to ask. Well, about. yes. Um, I mean, I remember I took a, I, when I applied to survivor, I was, it was at the end of my first year of school. So when I got a call back in August of my second year of, of college studying aerospace engineering at that point, I was taking a class called um, design and mechanics. And so it was all 3D software rendering, using designing 3D objects on CAD. And then at the end, we would have a design project where we go and print our the best design that we come up with. And for me, I was like, I want to make something that's really cool. I want to make something that I would use every day. So I designed a really, really cool Pokeball um, that I 3D printed. And <laughs> and it had this locking me- mechanism that you would untwist the little knob at the top of it that was the like the, the button. And then it would, then you would have to twist it and then it would open up and you could put your Nintendo Switch gaming cards inside. So it was like, it was oh, a really oh, okay. cool. Well, there you go. Um, and so my yeah, professor yeah. was super impressed and we print we print for our design project on like a million dollar 3d printer. So it had high precision. I would never get to print on something like that again. And so my design was tailored for that. So you couldn't go and print this with your standard run of the mill 3d printer, but for what I was Mm -hmm. making, it's really cool and I'll never have anything like it. And it's, and that's really what started my interest in 3d printing. And so I remember season 41, that season that was airing at that same time, I watched someone named Evie Jagoda at one of the challenges, she said, Jeff, I memorized how to do this challenge where you make a, tr- a pyramid with beads in my house. And so I was like, wow, hmm. that's so interesting. And I never thought about that because they do repeat challenges. They do repeat the same puzzles yeah. over and over again. And there's Etsy shops online where you can go and buy these things. So taking that hmm. information 
I and the knowledge that I had gleaned from that semester, I went and got a 3D printer for Christmas that year and had the had a blast going back to my parents' house and then printing designs that I was building to practice these puzzles to because there's I'll say this a lot, you know, you look at a puzzle on TV and or on a picture and it's a completely different experience to look at it and think about how you would solve it than it is to have it right in front of you. And so and physically do yes, it. Yeah. It changes how you look at it and how you interact with it. And so into it, yeah. right, right. So doing that I was able to practice and it was crazy to think that it for me it was crazy that I had in a sense gained the system. There was an EW article that came out that like the first line was Carson broke survivor and I'm like well, wow. because because so just to give a little context for anyone, because there's a lot of people listening who've never seen yeah. Survivor. So the the thing is, is that when you you became the 3D puzzle king, and then you launched, of course, Puzzle yeah. Not the your Carson your the, Puzzle Not by Carson, which is your puzzle business, two great puzzles. But this season on Survivor, they they what there was a rule change because of what you did. Well, they they you're crediting it to you, but it everyone kind of knows it was yeah. because of what you did. What was the rule change? So the producers changed the the game layout so that th puzzles weren't um, repeated as much. So they introduced they're introducing mm -hmm. brand new puzzles, brand new game mechanics um, with that attached. And so I know the post has gone gone on many different podcasts and talked about how you know we had always expected this might happen one day, but now that it's happened, we're just going to kind of move along and evolve. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, they're they're changing it up. And, try and retiring a lot of the puzzles. However, I will note, I've seen puzzles that are have little remnants of what we've seen in the past or just like minor changes sure. and tweaks. You know, if, mm -hmm. if someone really wants to go on the show and, and do well, there are a lot of ways to practice. And so there's also been a lot of talk about, well, does that cause any inequity and in, in balance and preparation? And I can... I can understand yeah. those arguments for sure, but it was really cool. I was going to say, have have you have you come across any resentment from producers, from fans for for sort of you know figuring out how to kind of game the system? <laughs> I think a lot of people have you gotten any fury fury uh, fan emails? You know, <laughs> like the one that Brent might. Send? I haven't. I've. It's only I haven't read any. Most of the time, I read that people are more upset at the producers. It's kind of like blame the um the game not the player sort of deal um because yeah, yeah. i didn't do anything wrong right. i played by the rules it's the you know if yeah, you're gonna not. if you're upset yeah. about something that happened blame the people that built the game you know and so that's kind of what's the the onus has been set up on the producers not necessarily me mm -hmm. i think the mm -hmm. response has been very fairly positive with me it's like well yeah i would have done the same thing or that's smart so totally. yeah i i it's yeah. been fun and so i launched i i had been wanting to launch a 3d printing business for so long and and share the designs that i had built and so over time things weren't lining up i didn't have the bandwidth i'm still in school i'm still working as a part-time student at, at, yeah. and at nasa so there were all these things that i had on top of me that i was like i can't imagine starting a business and then this past mm -hmm. month just things started lining up and everything worked out and somehow i was able to launch and we had a very successful launch and we're i mean we have yeah. sold i think about 450 puzzles at the moment probably actually more than that yeah so it's been All so priced awesome. at like 80 dollars wow. and, and 60 dollars so like yeah the, you know it's a little business right yeah, yeah it's mm -hmm. it's been crazy <laughs> yeah and in terms of prepping for the show like obviously you're bringing this sort of you know this puzzle knowledge that was all about you know i guess i don't even know what you'd call it spatial relations yeah <laughs> you know yeah. Yeah. um for sure this intellect, but then in terms of getting prepared for the show physically, I mean, you had seen the show and seen what that was like. And so obviously what was, what was that process like? Cause apparently you gained like 30 pounds of muscle and the producers didn't even recognize you or something. He had a glow up. <laughs> I don't know if it was as much as a glow up as, I mean, it was a glow up, but it, it was, it was just a, a needed, um, like, I don't know, preparation. So I there were a lot of people who would argue on Reddit forums that, hey, if I'm going to go on Survivor and starve, I'm going to prepare my body to starve. I completely disagree with that analysis. Why would I starve my body twice? You know, and so yeah. for me, my approach was completely opposite. It was I'm going to give my body reserves because I'm already at the brisk of being underweight. I was like 119 mm -hmm. pounds when I applied to be on the show. Mm -hmm. um, and so my 
a dream a dream <laughs> i don't know i i it was it was almost I, I mean when i would go to the doctor they were always concerned i was gonna hit the underweight mark um and I and know. i would always explain to them i got I'm, that ozempic shot here i'm trying to get <laughs> in hand yes it's ready right after the interview as soon as i see carson i'm like i gotta be that weight <laughs> yes. Yeah. But there was, um, yeah, and I, I just, I had never been to the gym. I had never really known how to gain that much, you know, muscle and stuff at a, that quick of a rate. Um, and so I did a lot of research. Everyone was like, you need a dietitian. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to pay somebody to teach me something I can learn myself. Okay. That's how people, yeah. that's how people yeah. lose money. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. I, I just challenged myself and it was hard because of like school and like, um, and just trying to balance that with everything. And there were so many points I was just so done with everything, but I managed to, yeah, over the span of about three how long, months, of, how long of a span did three months, you, you gained 30 pounds of muscle it wasn't, in three now, months. This is where people love to hate on me and, or try to discredit me and be like, he didn't really gain 30 pounds of muscle. And it's like, well, duh, but like it's, it's, there's a balance. It's like, it's, I mean, it's all about the, the ratio. And so um, I had a, a, yeah. a scale that I would, I would measure. And so like a good lean bulk would be about 50% fat, 50% muscle. And then mm, like, yeah. if you want to be like a, a TikTok model or something, then you go and do a cut afterwards and try to lose all that extra fat and retain the muscle. Just the phrase lean bulk is kind of hot. I got <laughs> I mean, <laughs> wait, so, so let me ask you, Carson, like, what was it like? Like, I know you got a lot of attention from gay fans mm -hmm. as a result of sort of you know, this, this process and everything and now, you know, great you looked and all this stuff. What was that like for you? Um, I was told before the season aired because we filmed in June of 2022. So I got home in July of 2022. Oh, we had wow. about eight months before we actually watched the show. So there was a yeah, long period right. where I was just a regular person working at NASA, um, right. doing normal things. That's not, that's not no, regular. It is. I, mean, <laughs> I was a normal intern. Normal for you. Yeah, sorry. I forget. Yeah. Um, but yeah. like my, I didn't tell any of my, my NASA friends at all until the very end of the, like of the, the semester. I remember one of my friends, I told him, I was like, Oh, I love, Sur I was like, have you watched Survivor? He's like, no. And I'm like, I love it. It's, it's so good. I'm going to go to watch party next week. And he's like, oh, well, have fun. We play tennis <laughs> together. Then like a week later, he was asking mm -hmm. me so many questions. And I was like, you know what, John, I'm going to tell you. I was on Survivor. And he was like, dude, what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, and I was like, yeah. no, seriously, like I'm going to be on the season 44 the next season. And he was like, you're kidding me. And yeah. I'm like, no. I'm, he's like, when are you filming? And I'm like, yeah. I already filmed. <laughs> like, like, I really was just a person integrated into yeah. society. Yeah. So there was, I really didn't ever feel any, any of the response until the show aired, which was, you know, not too mm -hmm. long ago. But I did have people in my season be like, oh, yeah, your people are going to love you and stuff. And I had such low self-esteem, even when I like had bulked up and like, and looked like a completely different person. I didn't feel necessarily like I glowed up or like I looked better. Yeah. Um, I had so much insecurity and like the producers did though. The well, producers, yeah, because literally every shot the show put out would be like Carson <laughs> topless, Carson's like pits up, Carson doing this, mm -hmm. Carson looking mm -hmm. smoking. Like those fucking producers, they knew exactly what they were doing, how to promote you. That's well, hilarious. They know what they're doing. Well, yeah. and yeah, yeah, I when when I remember when the cast got got released there was a i hated my cast picture there's so many pictures that like that one in particular like even my mom's like that doesn't look like anything like you and at the same time a lot of the pictures of myself i feel like don't look like me like i don't know what really looks like me anymore if that makes sense but um well i i, mm -hmm. I have i have to i have to share something we didn't talk about this beforehand but i have to share something that you told me once that is probably one of the funniest things i've ever heard in my life <laughs> that you guys, Elliot and Brent would definitely love. So Carson is so, he's such like a, like a, you know, he's like, he's like one of my favorite straight dudes in that like they're accepting of the gay attention. They understand it. They get it. They're fine with it. It's cool. You're open to it. It's just like, it's all love is love. And exactly. then mm -hmm. Carson though is so out, out of touch with sort of the gay world that online people were calling you a twink. Oh right? yeah. And you didn't, I thought that that was like no idea what that was. When about. I got, when I, in about, August I was I was visiting some of my survivor friends and there was like a, a discord or like a, a top of talks like forum where you could talk about people 
um, in the se- current the seasons upcoming. And so I kept seeing, I called it the T word, and I didn't know, I didn't know what it meant. And I thought that they were just <laughs> trying to like put me to cat, like to. I don't know. I thought it was like a slur. I really did. I didn't know what it meant. Um, yeah. And so I was yeah. I, I was like, yeah, I've, they're like, have y'all been reading about themselves? And like after like feeling like I was opening up, I was like, well, <laughs> I've been seeing a lot. I, now I know. So now I'm laughing at myself. But I was I was like, yeah, I've been seeing a lot of like I've been it's hard, been really hard for me because I've been seeing a lot of people like call me really mean things. And <laughs> apparently, it was, <laughs> and it, the whole time, and I, they were like, "They're and I, they were like, well, what does it start with?" And I was like, "It starts with the T." And then my friend goes, "Oh, oh, I think I know what you're talking about." <laughs> and, so, and so then we we then I told them, and they were like, "Carson," and I I had no idea, and they're like, "You're a super tweet," all this stuff, and I was. and then the other thing the other thing that i have to ask you about yeah sort of on that on that note because of the reaction is there was something on the show that you actively and this is i don't think you've talked about this before so this is a scoop if you will (laughs) but there's something on the show that you actively worked at hiding (laughs) that i i like through clothes and whatever that i need you to once and for all address well yeah when i was gaining all that weight so quickly i went up like three sizes in pants like my shirt size pretty much stayed the stay the same but it was like just more uh compressed but my my waist size was like oh shoot yeah i'm I'm, i had to go up several sizes and like the i still have so many pants i can't fit into really anymore um but you know that are too big now but like i that's how much weight i gained it was like crazy but it was all going to the behind if that makes sense um, so yeah. mm-hmm. I, I had seen, I knew, I knew how like the internet worked. <laughs> and so I saw so many, like when I would look up survivor players, especially sp- particularly men and women, actually, it would always be like, if you looked at the pictures, it was always them in their underwear. And I, and, and me, I'm, I'm very, I felt very modest. And so I was like, I do yeah. not want that on the internet. Like, I don't want my employees or, or not my employees, my, like I have employees, but like, I don't want my peers at work to look me up or like me say I'm on survivor. And then they look me up and all they see is me in underwear, especially A from big old Badunka dunk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I never took my shorts off ever. It was like a if you you will it's, it's never very, it's, see me without my shorts on on the island. Like even when I would change, I would yeah, quickly very, like pull them up. It's just so ironic that you're like younger and clearly like a digital native, and yet you seem the most surprised by the fact that the internet is essentially one very horny gay guy, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. and that twink is not technically a slur, but. It's not the nicest thing, well, but like I it's also, just so common among. I like, also gay love guys. that like part of your survivor um, strategy play is to not show your butt. Yeah, like it's just like just God don't bless. just don't That's show real your innocence. butt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Wait, so I I also need to know along the gay lines yeah. too. Like your, I mean, after you're on a show like this that has this many millions of people, I mean, it's one of the most watched shows in the country, and your season was one of the highest rated and it's like it was a huge it's a it's a standout season in the survivor season so like it's a big big season so i know and because we're friends and i know you personally i I can attest to this but that the dms can be a little unhinged oh yeah how did you how did you first respond to the amount of on this podcast we use the word unhinged very loosely because of primarily elliot glazer but (laughs) how how did you respond to the massive onslaught of probably primarily men being incredibly unhinged in your dms okay that was okay well i had people i had very famous people reach out to me those were the only times i would like actually respond um but it felt out of like necessity you know um and i'm i'm not talking like hundred thousand i'm talking like 30 million follower instagram accounts that would message me and mm-hmm. i um like sending you news or just messaging to say they loved you uh i think a little both um <laughs> yeah wow and i yeah. well so okay you you act like i would or you said how would i respond i wouldn't and so i never would even yeah. read them um 
and I, I still my like people, I don't, there's some people on my cast, maybe I just get too many or like I get way more than everybody else. I don't even know what the bottom of my DM box looks like, to be honest. I've never even checked. Mm, like wow. it's that I, I, yeah. I would not be surprised if there are over 30,000 messages on there. So I've oh, never, wow. I, I like, I've done it before for like several minutes and never have reached the bottom and I don't even read them. <laughs> um, but so I, I shouldn't take it personally when I DM an Olympian and they don't write me back. I don't know. If they, <laughs> I think it depends on the person. Like, I feel like maybe just people like would respond to my stuff a lot. And so like, there are a lot of people who just maybe liked a story or something. I don't know. I just have never checked. And, but yes, when there are people who have 30 million followers, it it's actually interesting how the algorithm works. It immediately goes to your primary yeah, account. You get it. Yeah. You get it. Immediately. You get it immediately. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there were definitely instances like that, but, um, the, now Twitter though is unhinged that one. Yeah. That's the one where uh. like you, it's like, you don't even want to open the message because you're going to get flashed. <laughs> um, so I think there was a time, yeah. there was a time when we were first flashed. connecting cause we, we connected pretty early on in the season, yeah. but like we were connecting and you were like, no, don't send me a DM on Twitter. Just don't, I won't, I won't, it. I won't see it. Just mm-hmm. I barely don't, see, don't forward Instagram. anything there. Yeah. I really, yeah. I barely see anything. Um, my, like, it's just a thing like either can even my I, I'm just hard to reach. It's either you know me or you don't. And then. If, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so a, but let me ask you another question. Are there now that you've had this incredible experience yeah. on Survivor, are there any other game shows that you would like consider going on? Have you thought about Squid Games or like anything Ooh. like oh, that? Oh, you reminded me. I wanted to apply for that kind of as a joke. <laughs> uh, by the way, so do, so do I. We should, so do apply. I. We should do like a um, a group, like a call together. Like people do yeah, that. We should. I want to be in on this. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, at- I'll attach my, my, my wagon to you. That's I love it. We'll just all film ourselves here. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's I, I thought it would be fun. <laughs> and my, my thought was like, I'm just going to, I'm not not gonna tell them that i was on survivor like i feel like i can i have enough merit yeah and i to. told you immediately i told I, he told me that and i was like there's no fucking way casting producer is not gonna look at would. you and know you were on survivor right. like I, no they would not carson you're i'm sorry I they wouldn't. You're I, I, it's not gonna okay. happen <laughs> like i thought it'd be a fun <laughs> it game. might even work to your favor yeah it'll work in your favor even like even yeah. like for that, a second season i yeah. don't know if this it would season, there's a dude like i f- no, it would it would because the the squid games people were like particularly keen on casting people who kind of had online followings in their own oh, way. Okay. like the only yeah fan, there was that only fans dude that i told you about that he was fucking on squid that's games. shocking like, they did me. it because he was on only fans yeah you know well I, I believe Elliot told me about him as well, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> no, different. I don't think Steve. Uh, whatever. I, oh, it's different. Only <laughs> no, it's guy? that guy. That's the guy I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, 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 I could. Yeah. I have. I have thoughts. Yeah, we have. We have whole episode. elaborate thoughts. Other anyway, episode. Carson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let us know. But would uh, you do? Any other... Would you do Amazing Race? Would you do any other um, show like that? I would for Moolah. Um, <laughs> like I'm all for making <laughs> that do. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. I'm. I really like if they. Everyone always is like, oh, like. You're so sweet. You're so this. I'm a hustler. I am. I've always been one. Yeah. Like, I'm not that smart. I'm just a hustler. Like, I will get on things. Well, no, you work at NASA. No, but like, I, 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 there are so, at NASA, you can be more than there a hustler. Are so many more people that are smarter than me. But like, I am just sure. one to work hard okay, for what look. I do. I mean, yeah. Brent is one I, of them. Apparently. I was going to say, I hear, I hear what you're saying, Carson, and I, and I can't fundamentally disagree with you. But I, I you know, I'm a, I'm a modest guy, so I'll let that go. But uh, how do you feel about like Wheel of? I just want to ask one about game shows. Oh my god, not Wheel of Fortune, Elliot. <laughs> Wheel of Fortune, absolutely. Uh, no, Carson. Yeah, let me let me, let me give you a backstory on Wheel of Fortune here for a second, Carson. Okay, so Elliot was on Wheel of Fortune, child version, as a kid, no and way. he has harbored. Yeah. He's harbored this love of Wheel of Fortune, and he is Very so. Cute. And Elliot, forgive me. You know what? You're one. You're family to me. I love you so much. You're one of my best friends. But you are. He is so pent up bitter that he cannot get on as an adult. That he <laughs> yeah. literally because they, they don't let you back on after you've already been Why? on, so he can't go back. Oh, on. Okay, so it's a rule. They Carson, have. It, it, Carson, I don't know. It comes, it comes up in our conversations like once a month. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. so unfair. What is it? I was. I, I. This was thirty. Who? Why would anybody care if I was on when I was? <laughs> 
12. I would, this and is, I know I would this conversation has been had every month for the past 10 years of our relationship. So, wow. Well, so what about Jeopardy? Are you a Jeopardy person? Or what about the... No. You also can't make money on That's Jeopardy. True. Wheel of Fortune, you can go in and sweep if you know how to play Hangman. And I'm a prodigy <laughs> <laughs> with Wheel of Fortune. The way you are with Survivor. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Carson, this is this this is this has been very enjoyable. Where can people this, is, this has been a delight. follow you on the internet? And where can they buy the puzzle? And where can they DM you disgusting pictures that you're never no, gonna see? Don't do it, people. Do not don't, don't be unhinged. Do don't be unhinged. You can um follow me on Instagram at Carson.garrett. Um my my puzzle knot business is puzzle not by Carson.com. Puzzlenotbycarson.com with an N-A-U-T at the end of yep, at the end of puzzle. Yeah. Um, so get it there. And then um, and then yeah, that's pretty much the biggest places to follow me. And if you're interested in my survivor takes Carson Garrett underscore, but on Twitter, but or X, whatever. It's Twitter. Worst rebrand in history. <laughs> Twitter. Yeah. Twitter. Totally. Well, thank you, Carson, so much for doing this. We really appreciate thank it. Thank y'all for having me. This thank was you, a Carson. fun, unhinged chat. <laughs> 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 And another thing. So for the and another thing, we're doing something very different. We've never done this before, mm. where we're having a guest on in this segment and a listener of the podcast. Hello, Jonathan. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. So, a a Alan, Alan, you got to give us a little bit of background as yes. to, the, to, to to what Jonathan represents in, in, well, in your life and now our lives. Well, what Jonathan represents is he's a very good friend of mine, but... One of the reasons that one of the things that Jonathan and I bonded over very early in our friendship was that Jonathan basically has a has has kind of Brent and I's like alternative lives that we would want. You know what I mean? I don't think yeah. Brent wants to be Jewish. Not going to put any judgment on that. But uh, excuse me, but, I would love to be Jewish. <laughs> but but Jonathan works in a museum in Washington D.C. and and is a is a is an active gay in the city of D.C. that Brent and I love, which we love. So it's our favorite city. Much. Do you mind us fetishizing you this much, Jonathan? No. Yeah. My LinkedIn says curator slash gay. Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think I think we'd be remiss. We, I, you and I talked about doing this long before this DC gay scandal started. So this is just happenstance that this happened this week that we're talking this, about DC gays. But yeah, the, yes. yeah, the Senate, the Senate um, fuckery. I don't want to ask about that because obviously that's we know what that is. But I want to ask about how how much of a tizzy are the DC gays in right now over this incident? It's so funny, like. The whole George Santos thing came and went so fast because of this. I was actually up in Boston oh, this weekend God. and I went last night to um, a gay like holiday party. And every time someone's like, where are you from? I'm like DC. The first thing they'd be like, oh my God, do you know the Senate twink? And I was like, <laughs> uh, like can there be more about who I am than can my Can there be another that? thing about the, the, the headquarters of Western democracy outside of the Senate twink? <laughs> yeah, but I, I will say like, the DC Twitter gays have just, they've done their job. Like it, the, yeah. the memes have been so funny and uh, like, and like, yeah, I mean, are some of them mean to this guy? Yes. But like yes. Yes. the way that they can bring like Nancy Pelosi and Lydia Tarr in the same tweet and somehow make it about this <laughs> like twink <laughs> is yeah. incredible. Well, and, and it also kind know, of reveals a moment a, of culture. It reveals a little bit of a secret about DC life that I don't think a lot of the rest of the gay world outside of DC really knows is that the Capitol building and the staffers particularly of the Capitol are I mean, there's sort of like a, it's sort of not a rumor, but it's sort of like a, it's no surprise to have a lot of gay staffers, even on Republican staffs. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Like gay staffers are yeah. a dime a dozen in the Capitol, right? Uh, no, like, yeah, comms directors, especially, I feel like. But yes, no, I mean, uh, and I would say not just uh, in the Capitol. I mean, depending on the administration, but also very much in the executive branch, too. Wow. Um, there are that lots of gays. I've always been fascinated by the folks who continue to pretend the elected officials who are like, Hey, I'm, I'm born and bred a Wyomingan and, and I'm a, I'm a cowboy through and through. And you're like, no, you're a Senator. You've lived in, you've lived in DC for 18 years. 
NDC is a massive, you know, cosmopolitan city filled with all sorts of folks. And anyone who's lived there for 18 years becomes assimilated to that, to that culture. And like, inevitably you've employed, remember when Rick Santorum, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're going way back now, Rick Santorum, the famously extraordinarily anti-gay Republican from Pennsylvania had literally what you just said, Jonathan, he had a openly gay communications director, I believe. And everyone was like, how can you compare homosexuality to bestiality, which he did, and employ this guy? And and so anyway, it's, it's just it's interesting to hear someone, you know, with an insider's perspective. Now, Jonathan, when you go to gay bars, is it like what like do you like? Well, can I, like, oh, I got I'm like I losing my mind? I'm sorry, I can't even formulate words. Um, let me ask real quick, Ellie. Don't forget what you're going to say. Is it loaded when you go to a gay bar? Are you looking for people like do you meet Republicans all the time? Mm. Like what what's it like? Um uh, I feel like you bar. could ask in any city, is it loaded when you go to a gay bar? But um, yeah. I would say, well, so I don't, this is the thing. I don't work on the Hill and I've never worked on the Hill. So like, yes, I'm adjacent to it, but my friends who work on the Hill know who everybody is. They know like, oh, you know, this person, whatever, it, they're much more aware of it. Like, yes and no. I think like it's like very loaded in that like, uh when news like this happens or anything, like people are constantly talking about it. Um, I often catch myself when I'm like visiting friends in Chicago or like whatever, another city. And like, there'll be like a CNN alert. And I'll be like, Oh my God, did you see? And they're like, okay, so we're at happy hour. Like, why are you talking about this? It's not as like front of mind as it is where it's like, Oh, all the conversation has to stop. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, well, what's really been interesting is um, I recently redownloaded um, Hinge and mm. the number mm. of people who openly put moderate, um, all white gays, but like there's so many moderate gays and I'm just like, it's like, I don't know if you're, if you're proud enough to put that, I'm proud enough to swipe you away. Um, but it's like, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Like, okay, did we reach this level of equality where we're now more out and proud about like being Republican gays. Yeah. I don't know, but it, it does feel <laughs> I, like... I, I do love your yeah. definition. I love your definition in D.C. of Republican is moderate. <laughs> <laughs> well, moderate is the is the most severe option on Hinge. I, it gets a lot crazier a lot faster. Yeah. Yeah, my question is, are they... I feel like I've heard that or, or gathered that like when it comes to like toxicity among gay men, LA specifically like the WeHo side of things can be pretty pretty uh, um, uh, apocalyptic I guess um, but I do feel like DC has also gotten quite a rap mm-hmm. and it's sort of an amalgamation of like generalities that I've heard of but I remember hearing about like like message boards and frat stuff and obviously like the the, the double-edged sword of like specifically Republican politics and mm-hmm. like someone like Rick Santorum's comms director. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that being said, is there a, a toxicity that is as intense as DC as you have noticed it to be somewhere else or heard about it somewhere else? Like it, from sea to shining sea, gays are toxic everywhere. Like I, I, it's no less and no more. <laughs> like, like I'm disgusted right. by our community wherever I go, and I'm also proud of our community wherever I go. Right, but like, right. but yes, I mean, like you have right. you yes, like I, I remember going um, with friends for drinks once at, at this gay bar, and like in the upstairs space, like the log cabin Republicans were hosting their like mm. monthly happy hour, and there were like dozens of people there, and I was like, oh right, okay. Yeah. But then it's like also toxicity oh, in wow. just like the traditional toxic white gayness Um, yeah i mean it's i think what's interesting is that brent brent has always said that there's like a there's a sort of sort of unspoken rule and universality of like gay guys no matter where they are or like what you know where where they fall in terms of their profession there's this desire to be famous and they they almost act famous and i feel like in dc again i'm being general here but there's a hunger for power yeah and so I, well, yeah. I guess I wonder if that translates differently. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's 
that is 100% true. And, like, for a while, I mean, I don't know, Twitter is going through this weird, like, dying thing, but maybe not totally. But, like, being, like, a DC Twitter gay was, like, a very big deal. Like, you always have, like, the best reads right. like, on, like, Nancy Pelosi's outfits and, like, stuff like that. I don't know why I keep bringing up Nancy Pelosi. But, um, but, but no, but, like, being, like, a DC Twitter gay was, like, that was your power. And, like, and, and just in general, like, the whole way DC functions is proximity to power. So when you put, like... Yeah. When you mix that in with gay toxicity, it's like a super villain. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, I noticed that a couple of years. It's Yikes. so interesting you brought up a log cabin Republicans because a couple of years ago when Trump was running for president, I did a story for Out Magazine on gay Republicans or like newly gay Republicans that had previously been Obama supporters. And and it all had all had to do with white male toxicity that now we see manifested in so many different areas. Uh, like and gay dudes are no different than a lot of this other bros out there who are like, you know, the man's not going to take whatever my gun or whatever it is. Like, I don't know what they're yelling about, but they're yelling about things. And one of the things that I thought was so interesting in D.C. is, I mean, you all know me very well and you know that i am i'm a i'm a faggot through and through i go to gay bars and i, I will i will i will queen out and i will literally queen out if you give me makeup and enough time to get ready and so i'm very much into the scene and i remember i went out with some of the log cabin republican people and because i was the writer and people knew me where when we were going out and stuff and you know they would try to like almost impress me and 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 show me things that like was just sort of like like trying to be liberal even to then impress me to then put them in the story more. And I was just like, mm -hmm. your values are so wow. skewed by power that you will act even liberal in some areas just to get me to get you into the story. Like it was that fucked up of brain fuckery that I'm sure you've experienced, or you probably noticed that too, among some more conservative homosexuals in, in DC, right, Jonathan? God, I, I wish I could say yes, but I like, don't hang out with them. <laughs> like, I don't even know. Oh, yeah. Like, well, yeah. I, okay. that's, that's the problem is that like, I, I like know of them like from afar and like that picture of like all the interns that like famous picture of all the interns in the Trump administration yes. and like the clearly homosexual ones. Um, and yeah. like, I, I've seen, like, I've like heard myths of them, but I don't, I mean, that's <laughs> like not who I surround myself with. And, and there are, I don't know, there's something like, 16 gay bars in dc something like that and like there yeah. I, I i couldn't even tell you which one like gay republicans hang out at i'm sure we overlap but i it's not you just um, don't know well that's how I, much I, i'm sure it's i'm sure it's the gay bar called the reagan or something oh. yeah it's got to be something i would actually like go to that i would go to that um wait jonathan so i do want to pivot a little bit to one of the things that i love about you so much and one of the things that i think makes you so interesting in terms of our our, our sort of gay DC person on the ground, if you will, is that you professionally are like a museum curator. Like that's what you do is you study artifacts and things and people and sort of stories and, and you try to sort of understand so that they shape a greater narrative historically. And I love that you do that for the Jewish. What's the name of the full name of the museum in DC? The full, full name is the Lillian and Albert Small Capital Jewish Museum. We say Capital Jewish Museum for short because it's a long name. <laughs> um, yes, but yes. yes. Yeah. And I, I yeah, C I don't know. CJM, CJM. CJM, CJM, CJM. I, I, I'm, fa I don't know. I'm fascinated by history. Um, I am like, I will, I think a, a lot of it happened during COVID where the only safe thing to do is walk around outside. And I would just like walk through the streets yeah. of DC and be like, well, how'd that get here? And then I'd like go down these rabbit holes. Um, and then, yeah, I want to cut you off there because that's one of the things that <laughs> yeah. I, when we first became friends was even sort of a, well, it was before then, but still that Jonathan would do these things. And this is what I love about DC so much is that, and one of the things that I think Brent and I love about DC is that you walk, can walk anywhere. I don't dislike DC. Well, just, you just don't, he just doesn't, I, Elliot, let's be real. Elliot is not walking around DC being like, I wonder what historically happened here. He's thinking about what, you know, what he can sit on. But um, uh, look, Elliot, El, the only town Elliot likes is one where he spreads too. his legs and he gets carried away by a series of gentlemen. Jonathan yeah. could sell that history too. But what I find so interesting is that like in your walking tours during COVID, which I so advocated for you to do these more and make something of them, I wanted to help you turn them into something. But these, these sort of, walking historical tours that then you would put on Instagram that gave DC, not even just gay DC, mm. but DC in general, sort of a new, almost like millennial context, if you will, to sort of mm. history in a lot of ways. And it was really, really, really fucking fascinating. So uh, go on, continue that. Well, yeah. I, and I think a big part of that is 
DC, especially for people like out of college in their 20s and 30s, is such a transient place. They come, like they get an internship, then they come here after college, they work on the Hill for a few years, burn out and leave. And so like people don't necessarily like root themselves as being like part of the DC community. Um, And not to mention like the national narrative is it's our nation's capital. There's like a bunch of monuments. There's like shitty people that come from all over the country to run the country here and that's it. But like DC has a very thriving and unrepresented 700,000 residents. And it has like a very cool local history. And um, that's what I like push on my friends and other people is that like, actually, no, there's like a lot to DC and there's this great book um, called queer capital about DC's gay history. Mm. And like the other like hill that I die on is like, people are always like New York and San Francisco are like the, you know, queer meccas of America. And like, yes, they have their history, but like DC queer history goes back to like the 1800s. Like this, this book, oh, wow. like ha- they, they found diaries from like the late 1800s and early 1900s that like talk about men cruising in front of the White House, like on the ellipse, like mm. in the early 1900s. Like, mm. Elliot, really this is the part rich, of DC and, like, you would like. This is <laughs> yes, your DC it, here. That, <laughs> it, it took me so long to read this book because like I would read a chapter and it would talk about where the cruising happened in that time period. And they would go there and be like, this happened here. <laughs> and then you would be like wait why are there only like you know tours from south korea happening right here no one's cruising here there's just tourists from foreign countries if so so that that actually brings that brings me to my final question i do want to ask you and it's a two-part question first of all a are there any gay senators that we need to know about (laughs) i'm thinking about you tom cotton or b would you recommend that people move to dc Mm, and why mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Again, because I don't want to go on the hill, I don't know. But I have to imagine that as soon as that video linked of the Senate twink, that Lindsey Graham was all over it. Uh, <laughs> Lindsey Graham, yes. Tom Cotton was moaning and groaning as much as Elliot was. Trust me. Well, and the best part is, is that the the chair that he got railed on was Amy Klobuchar's, and you knew that she was not. Happy. Oh my God! There was there was the funniest video someone posted online of this viral video of a woman cleaning a hotel room, and it said Amy Klobuchar on Monday morning in the Senate, just like scrubbing everything down. Oh God! Yeah. Yeah. But do you advocate people you know. to move to DC? I hope not because you probably want a to thousand. keep it perfect. I mean, yeah. So, so <laughs> yes. And um, you'll especially get this. I, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Kansas City and like it was a city, but a small city. And like for me, New York, like I can go for a weekend, but then I am like too anxious and I need to get out. Like DC is yeah. an East Coast city, but it has a very Midwest feel to it. It's a little more laid back. Yes. And like, the proximity to power is exciting. Like seeing the motorcade is exciting. Like things like that mm-hmm. it can be exciting. Um, and like it, I don't know. It's just, it's such a cool city. It's a beautiful yeah. city. It's also like an incredibly gay city. Um, mm-hmm. you, there's this institute at UCLA that does all this like demographic research on uh, gay America. And I want to like get their name right. Um, I think it's like the Willis. I, will, I think William, we're literally talking William, about them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Williams Institute. And they just did this updated like state by state of like that percentage of LGBT adults. And DC is the highest at 14.3%. Like we have a yeah. huge per capita population of queer people. And it's like growing up in a place where I didn't see a lot of queer people around me. I'm sure there were queer people, but not out. Uh, there is something yeah, about like yeah. walking through my neighborhood and seeing both like older queer couples and like queer families and young queer people um, and having yeah. like probably 10 gay bars within a 15 minute walk of me. Like that is something as a kid in Kansas, I never could have imagined. Well, Um, and so, yeah, I a hundred percent advocate for DC and it's statehood. Well, Jonathan, yeah. Statehood would be very nice. Jonathan, as, as, as we know, DC is very gay, but you to me, and I know now to Elliot and Brent are the leader of the homosexuals in DC for us. If we if it, if we ever need someone to give us a tour of DC, it's going to be you and then we'll leave Elliot on the steps of the White House or outside the White House so that he can sit on one of the poles. Um but Jonathan, where can people if you would like people to follow you online or follow the work you're doing? Um so I'm Jettlegram on Instagram. That's where I post a lot of my like work stuff. Um, and then my, hopefully you can like put my, uh, Twitter handle in the description or something. Yeah. Cause it's, so it's the word museum, but after M U it's Liza with us. So it's mu Liza with a Z M. 
um, <laughs> encompassing of my work and who I am. Yes. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, Jonathan, yeah. you're perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys. It was great talking to you. What would your aunt say? Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? After listening to your podcast, I'm going to start researching retirement homes in beautiful West Virginia. (laughs) (laughs) My Aunt Joanne would say, tell Jonathan I want a free pass. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, of course. How about Aunt Anne? Aunt Anne would say, you know, I might just buy one of those puzzles from that puzzle knot Carson was talking about, but I'll tell you one puzzle that I learned to solve real early. Puzzle of the heart. No, <laughs> very, very, very considerate, very thoughtful. Yeah. I uh, want to try man, something man. Uh, for this episode, perhaps moving forward. Uh, thanks for listening, and hopefully, you are not making it worse. <laughs> you thought about that on the toilet one day, and it has been sitting with you ever let's, since. Let's let's not let's not let that be the how we end every podcast from here on out. But. Whatever. It's literally as long as you don't like say a bad word, Elliot will be happy. Elliot's like H E double toothpicks. Oh God! Literally, you say you say hell. He's like H E double toothpicks. How dare you? I listens to Howard Stern like while he's sleeping, and he's like, "Did you just say heck? How dare you?"